0: Welcome to the Dutil Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Dutil Church in Cranberry Township, PA. Each week, we share the message from our Sunday services. Be sure to click subscribe and follow along every week. Today, we continue our series on the Ten Commandments, which uncovers how the commandments serve as blueprints for abundant life. The message is titled Highway Robbery and is based on Exodus 20, verse 15. Hear now this week's message from senior pastor, Tom Parkinson.
1: So last week we came to a turning point in our study of the Ten Commandments. Remember, we said last week that the first four commandments really are the first table of the commandments. And they have to do with how it is that we are to show love for God. And when we get to the fifth commandment, commandments five through 10, begin to help us think about how we can show love for others or love for our neighbor. And we said last Sunday that the foundation of showing love for our neighbors starts with our relationship with our parents. And that when we honor our father and our mother, and when we have that healthy relationship with our parents, that's a great foundation for us to have good relationships with others. Now, before we move forward from that, I, I do want to address something that I left out last week. And that is, how do you honor your father and mother if you were somebody who was in a situation where mom and dad maybe abused you or, or mom and dad maybe abandoned you and you really don't have a relationship with them and you shouldn't? Because if you did have a relationship with them, it might bring harm to your life. Now That's not everybody's situation, but there are people in that situation. And if that's you, here's my best uh, take on how you... Uh, how you obey the fifth commandment. Number one, you don't blame yourself for what you didn't cause. That situation is not your fault. And number two, you do your best to honor your elders. Because chances are, if you were in that situation, there are some other people in your life who have mentored you, who have counseled you, who have shaped who you are, and you want to show them honor as if they are parents. If your biological parents didn't parent you, somebody did. And somebody helped you along the way. And then I think the next thing to do is to begin to pray from a distance for your biological parents, to pray for God to heal you of whatever harm has been caused, but also to pray that God would heal them and to pray that God would give you the strength to offer forgiveness. And I, I felt the need to say that because if somebody out there heard last week's sermon and was in that situation, you might have said, well, there wasn't anything in that message for me. So uh, I just wanted to cycle back to that. Now, uh, if you were following along with our midweek sermon drop, we dropped sermons on the Sixth and Seventh Commandments, which start to move us in these patterns of how we're going to show love for our neighbors. So in the Sixth Commandment, which prohibits murder, we are taught that if you're going to love your neighbor, you've got to treat your neighbor's life as sacred. And then in the Seventh Commandment, the commandment against adultery, we're taught that if you want to show love for your neighbor, you've got to treat your neighbor's marriage as sacred. And now today in the Eighth Commandment, we're going to learn that if you want to show love towards your neighbor, you've got to treat your neighbor's property as sacred. So let's look at this Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal. It seems quite elementary, basic even. I mean, it's one of the first things we teach a preschooler, right? Julie's here today. Uh, Isaac's preschool teacher is with us today, right? It's one of the first things you teach these kids, right? Don't take stuff that doesn't belong to you. It's elementary. As a matter of fact, about 30 years ago, the Barna Research Group was doing some uh, studies around the Ten Commandments, and they found that 86% of adults at that time said, I got the Eighth Commandment covered. I don't disobey that one. Generally, we all got the message, you shouldn't steal stuff, and we don't do it. And the result is that we read the Eighth Commandment and we almost breathe a sigh of relief. We were convicted by some of these other commandments, but this one, we can check this one off the list, we got it covered. But if we look at the world around us, what you realize is even the easy commandments need to be examined because you can easily forget them. You know, we're actually living in a day and age where people taking for granted that you should not steal isn't as guaranteed as it once was. As a matter of fact, in our country over the last couple of years, there's been a real spike in retail theft. To the point where there are some retailers who have closed stores and will not go back into certain locations because there was so much theft and nobody was doing anything about it. Did you know that if you go to Walmart, Walmart experiences so much loss in merchandise theft that they now bake the cost of the thievery into the prices that you pay so that they can recoup the losses through the sales. Did you know that all of us, when we go to the store, are paying for somebody else's theft? And when you begin to think about that reality, you're reminded that the Eighth Commandment might sound easy, But if you stop following the eighth commandment, society begins to unravel very quickly. A society in which stealing is okay is not a society that's going to thrive for very long. So we do well to spend a few moments hovering at the eighth commandment and examining what this commandment is really all about. You know, when I read scripture, I think there are really three broad categories of things that the scripture forbids us to steal. And the first category is people. The Bible actually forbids us from stealing people, what we might call kidnapping. Now, maybe we take this for granted, but let's think about this for a moment. In Exodus chapter 21, so this is the chapter right after the Ten Commandments, Exodus 21, 16, it says this, Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. Now that law makes it pretty explicit that you can't forcibly take someone from their home and sell them. Unless we think that's a sin that is far away from us, remember that the original sin of our country was the slave trade. And so from the outset, in the book of Exodus, we get this command, like the slave trade is a no-go. You don't take people and sell them. And we need to say that out loud because in the history of our country, there were those who used the Bible to try to justify slavery in this country. And you just can't do that. It's true that there was slavery in the days of the Bible. But the form of slavery there was in the day of the Bible is called debt slavery. That's when somebody's in debt And to pay off their debt, they become an indentured servant and they serve somebody and they work for somebody until their debt has been paid off. Not a great situation, but that's way different from modern forms of slavery. And so the Bible says that's a no-go. That's a form of stealing in the Eighth Commandment. And if we think that's uh, something that happened in a distant past, consider that human trafficking is plaguing the world right now. And it's not just plaguing the distant world, it's actually plaguing our very community. A few months ago, the Refuge for Women came and did a program at our church in which they talked about instances of human trafficking that are happening not a mile from where we're sitting right now. And what's happening is is innocent women and children are being lured by techniques of grooming and manipulation and they're being taken and sold for all kinds of horrible things. And it's not only a violation of the Eighth Commandment, it's pure evil. And so if the world would follow the Eighth Commandment, there'd be no more human trafficking, right? The Bible is clear, no stealing of people. The second category that the Bible forbids us to steal is the stealing of possessions. Now, this might be the one that's most obvious to us, right? We think of stealing, it's like, well, you can't take uh, candy from a kid, right? You know, like no stealing. But think about it. In our American culture, one of our greatest values is the right to private property, the right to own things and to determine what happens with those things. And the Bible actually affirms that right. The Bible teaches that you can honestly and with fairness gain as much wealth or possessions as you want. There's no limit on that as long as you're being fair and following the law. You can gain all that you want. Now, the Bible says that when you gain wealth and possessions, God's desire is for you to be a good steward of it. God wants you to use it wisely. God wants you to be generous in sharing with others and in meeting the needs of others, but it's your stuff and you're not compelled to give. You give cheerfully and your stuff's not to be taken from you. The Bible's clear about that. And the Bible thinks not only about the stealing of material possessions, but the Bible actually speaks about some of the things that we might call white collar crime today, like embezzlement schemes or some of the accounting schemes that we've seen in the modern world. The Bible also speaks about the importance of not overcharging people interest on loans and particularly not taking advantage of the poor. So one of the things that happens in our society today that I think is a legalized form of theft is these payday loan advance stores that you see pop up in low-income communities. And they prey on people who are resource poor, and they don't really have enough to make ends meet. And so they say, well, we'll loan you your paycheck a week ahead, but you're going to have to pay it back at 30 or 40% interest. And what it does for somebody living in poverty is it just makes the hole deeper. Right, that kind of predatory lending is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. And civil law might say it's okay, but the Word of God says, no, 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 you don't do it that way. Probably one of the greatest examples of somebody caught in stealing and financial swindling is the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was notorious for extorting money from people. They would come to pay their taxes, and in addition to paying what they owed in taxes, he would upcharge them to pad his own pockets. I mean, this is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Beyond that, we see teaching in Scripture that, uh, that condemns employers, business owners, who don't pay fair wages to their employees. That's considered stealing to have somebody work for an agreed rate and then not come back and make good on that promise. And Jesus himself identifies tax fraud and tax evasion as a sin. When he was asked whether we should pay taxes, his response was, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. It might feel like the government's stealing from you when you pay taxes, but you're stealing if you don't. And so the list could go on, but we can see that when the Bible forbids us to steal property, it's a pretty broad scope of what property looks like. And the third category that the Bible forbids us to steal is non-material goods. The kinds of things you can take from a person that can't be quantified in dollars and cents, but are no less valuable. So the Bible would forbid you to steal somebody's reputation through libel or slander or gossip. And the Bible forbids you from stealing someone's dignity through publicly humiliating them. And the Bible forbids you from stealing somebody's trust by deceiving them. And the Bible forbids you from stealing somebody's intellectual property through plagiarism or piracy. And when we start to think about these categories that were forbidden to steal people, property, non-material goods, we suddenly realize the Eighth Commandment has a pretty broad scope to it. And anytime we're taking something that doesn't belong to us, we're violating that commandment. Now, we would not complete an examination of any commandment if we didn't look beyond just what are the things I can't do to what are the things that need to be happening in my heart. Remember that Jesus, when He taught the commandments, was always building His teaching on this principle, that our actions are always a reflection of what's happening in our hearts. And so when Jesus taught on the sixth commandment against murder... He said, you know, murder typically arises from a heart that's been soaking in some kind of toxic anger. And when somebody violates the seventh commandment of adultery, it's because of a heart that's typically been soaking in some form of lust. Well, what is the heart condition that would lead us to experience stealing or that would lead us to steal? Well, the heart condition is greed. It was Kevin DeYoung who defined greed as stealing with the eyes of the heart. And greed is no good. If our hearts are greedy, it's a short step from a greedy heart to a stealing hand. Now greed typically starts with a mindset of scarcity. We believe that we don't have enough. And if I could just have something else, that something else would enable me to lead a better life. And greed will make us convinced that that something else is worth gaining at any cost, even if it's at the expense of someone else. And what does greed do? But it begins to corrode our character. It begins to corrode our soul and it narrows our focus such that we lose sight of the needs of others and we become solely focused on our own wants and needs. And so greedy people will hog things for themselves and greedy people will take things from others without even thinking about the fact that they're taking from others. And a greedy heart is the preface to a stealing hand. And we can see the devastating consequences of greed when we look at some horrible things that happen in the world around us. I think we're all familiar with the reality of corporate greed. When a corporate boardroom has a greedy heart that focuses only on profit, typically what happens is, well, we forget about creating a just work environment for our employees, or we forget about regulations that protect the environment or that protect safety. I love to watch documentaries and Netflix recently put out documentaries on the Three Mile Island meltdown and on the Challenger explosion. And in both cases, you have these huge disasters that were fundamentally caused by human greed that said, in order to make the profit margin, we need to keep going, even though we know this isn't safe and something's wrong. Greed will get you so narrowly focused that you'll do dumb things that harm people because you're just trying to get what you want and need. As a matter of fact, a greedy heart is a violation of the Eighth Commandment, so sinful that in 1 Corinthians 6, when Paul is listing groups of people who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, he lists the greedy right next to the thieves. So greed is no good. So what's the remedy for a greedy heart? A generous spirit. Generosity is the remedy for greed. And God calls upon us... To be generous people, right? When you're greedy, you take your possessions and you hold on to them tightly and you try to amass things for yourself. When you're generous, your posture towards the world is an open hand. And you view the things that you have in life as an opportunity to do good and to bless others. It is impossible for a generous spirit to steal. If you were truly in a place of generosity in your heart, it's impossible for you to steal from someone else. Why? Because generosity is fundamentally a posture of life in which we're open to how we might take the things that we have and use them to bless others. So the Bible teaches generosity is the cure for the temptation to steal. In Exodus 22, there is a commandment for somebody who's caught stealing. And what it says there is, If you steal one sheep, then you need to replace it with four sheep. Four sheep for one. Well, why such an extravagant replacement? Why a fourfold replacement? Well, what the Bible's commanding is, let's respond to an act of greed with an act of lavish generosity. And that's what Zacchaeus did. When Zacchaeus was encountered by Jesus, he was an extortionist. He'd extorted all this money from people and Jesus came to his house and Zacchaeus repented of his sin. He wanted to turn away from his sin. So what did he do? In generosity, he said, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor and I'm going to pay back four times what I stole from the people I stole from. He's, He's rooting out greed by becoming generous. And so I think that any of us who want to be Eighth Commandment Christians, it's not just about not stealing, it's about cultivating generosity in our heart. You know, fundamentally, our God is a generous God. Everything in the universe belongs to God. And God freely gives all of us everything that we have. Every breath we breathe, every beat of our heart, every. Every ounce of oxygen in this room, that's a gift from God. It all belongs to God and God gave it to us. And when God gives you every gift that you've received, you wanna receive that gift with gratitude and you don't wanna receive that gift by hoarding it. If you do that, you become greedy, self-centered, selfish, not the person God created you to be. God's a generous God. So get this, in the Old Testament, God instituted a discipline, a spiritual practice among the Israelites to help them have a posture of generosity so that they wouldn't have greedy hearts. And and that practice was called tithing. So the idea was that the Israelites would take whatever it was that they earned in life, and they would take the first 10% of their earnings, and they would give it to God as an offering. And that discipline meant that the Israelites were not to be accustomed to ever holding on to things too tightly and becoming greedy in the process, but they always had an open hand of giving. And the prophet Malachi, in his day, saw that the Israelites were not tithing anymore. They weren't being givers. They weren't being generous. He saw them holding on to things, and there were bitter divisions among them as a result. And so he actually warned them that if you're not going to sit in that generosity posture that tithing gives you, You're robbing God. You're stealing. And your eighth commandment violation is against the Lord. And so the Bible gives us this sense that like, we ought to be cultivating practices of generosity. We ought to be thinking about how we can use what we've been given to bless others. And the more we do that, the more generous our heart is, the less temptation there ever is to steal anything. Because our focus is never on how do I get what I want and need. You know, the ultimate act of generosity in the history of the world was when Jesus gave His life on the cross. One of the things that amazes me about the death of Jesus is for several years, people had been trying to steal Jesus' life. They'd been plotting to kill Him. And when Jesus knew it wasn't time for him, Him to die, He would just go away somewhere else. He would avoid it. But when the time came, Jesus allowed him to happen. He allowed himself to be crucified. Nobody stole Jesus' life from him. He gave it away. And do you know what the moment was that set off the arrest of Jesus? It was an act of greed in which one of his close friends, Judas, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus took that act of greed and responded to it with generosity by laying down his life for the sins of the world, including the sins of the one who'd betrayed him. There is no greater act of generosity than the act of Jesus. And in his death, what does he show us? He shows us what it looks like to show sacrificial love. Sacrificial love is what makes the universe tick. When sacrificial love is offered in the world, the world becomes a better place. Life comes out of death when there's sacrificial generosity. And so Jesus shows us the way. So if you want to be an Eighth Commandment Christian, it's not enough to just say, well, I'm not going to you know, commit petty theft. At the end of the day, the way you're an Eighth Commandment Christian is you follow in the way of Jesus by showing sacrificial love for your neighbor to the point where you will give of yourself for the sake of the well-being of another. And it is in our generosity that we create a safeguard that we'll never be tempted to steal. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for the eighth commandment, something that seems so basic and essential, but that we know if we don't pay attention can become our fall. God, we confess there are times when our hearts become greedy, when we become selfish and self-focused. And so we pray, God, that you would fill us with your generosity, that you would make us a giving people, and that in giving to others, we would create a world where harm is not done through stealing, but where life is given through giving. And for all this, O oh God, we'll give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus our Lord.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from Dutill Church. We'd love to have you join us at Dutill Church for our weekly worship services. We worship at 9:30 and 11 on Sunday mornings, and you can worship with us in person or live online at dotillchurch.org. Please join us on the podcast for next week's message. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you.